coming up on Rediscovered. Sam Jones is the highwayman. And I want you. Jacko is Jemmo. Together. We're assault. It's battery! Two guys out to energize your Friday. Watch us! Heading your way next Friday. The Highwayman. Welcome to Rediscovered, a podcast dedicated to reviewing TV, movies, and animation from the 80s that we haven't seen since its initial run or missed us altogether. And now your hosts, Jason and Wyatt. Welcome to a new podcast series on the Rediscover the 80s podcast feed called, appropriately, Rediscovered. We're going to dive into some obscure and overlooked TV shows, movies, and cartoons in which we may or may not remember in its initial release. Before we get into our first episode, let us introduce ourselves. I am Jason, and over there is my longtime friend, Wyatt. We keep adding more shows to our lineup, and I love it. Anything (laughs) we can rediscover, whether it's the 80s, 90s, or just discovering anything... I'm all game for it. So this is uh, another episode, another, I'll call it a chapter, and I rediscover yes. the 80s book. I think we just need to do that. True. Very true. Because, yes, we we have the Memory Jogger podcast, of course, and we've done several other shows in the feed. But, yeah, this is, uh, is going to be a fun show to go back and maybe actually watch some things that we missed in its first run. Or, you know, something we might remember vaguely as a kid watching on TV, like our topic this week, and then going back and reviewing it uh, now and seeing if it still holds up. So this should be a a pretty fun show. Now, we have kind of gone back and forth as we, you know, are just starting the series on how exactly do we tackle all of these things. And we started a list and I think what we were both agreeing upon was something that we can watch that is either in a, a few sittings or, you know, something like a short lived TV show, a movie or like a short lived cartoon series, maybe less than like 20 episodes, something like that, that we can get through without, you know, taking a month or two at a time to watch and then, you know, getting on the podcast. But uh, we were lucky to find this one on YouTube. And that's what kind of, I guess, spawned this whole show, right? Where we had been talking about uh, the Highwayman on a on another podcast, on our mass cast. And it just kind of came up, hey, look, it's on YouTube. So let's go check it out. And right. I, I think that's how we're going to, kind of tackle this you know it and i'm not saying we we necessarily need to go after like the obscure shows too obviously those are probably more entertaining for some people but uh some people might just go what in the world are you guys watching (laughs) so we might even you know do some uh more popular or maybe what we call cult classic movies and shows that just for some reason or another missed us but uh, this is going to be a fun one, and I'm going to kind of throw it over to you because you have more memories of this show than me. 
uh, growing up. Well, what's, I guess, odd about it, I had watched only one episode of this in its entirety during its true lifespan of what was it, nine, ten episodes to include the pilot. Yeah. Um, I still have that one video somewhere in my VCR tapes. And it was actually episode, I think, eight is the one I have where where Jeddo basically becomes rogue and starts getting mm-hmm. paranoid and so forth, starts capturing people. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But that's the only episode I had. Well, over the years and here and there, picking up on it, I'd see one or two clips, never a full episode. And that's how I learned more about the trucks, what they did or did not have. Uh, but I never really remembered watching any of it and now we're like jason said we were we spawned this whole podcast because we were we always come back while jason usually comes up with something for agents of masks he's my jacko to my highwayman (laughs) that kind of thing and that's how it started out and we're like you know that was that obscure cool high-tech almost knight rider-ish it was almost a mix of knight rider and airwolf to a, a very lesser degree but kind of that same concept because you got the helicopter and you got the super cool well kit dashboard really inside the truck and we just started well like we always say we brainstormed and maybe we should start an episode where all we're talking about is i guess in my eyes the obscure mm-hmm. those obscure rarities that didn't make it or and even in the movies where a great example would be Shawshank Redemption, right? Where mm-hmm. it bombed in the movies, it didn't do well, but yet it's a DVD sensation. Everybody's watched it. Everybody is like yeah. captivated by that cool. movie. Yeah. It's one of my better loved movies, but one, I didn't even know it existed in the movie platform, honestly. I, I will <laughs> be honest. But that tells you that it was a kind of a lesser known or obscure movie in, in, in the, the, the film theater world so that's where i think at least on on my side of it that's where we're going to take this we're going to look at those obscure ones we might hit the popular one that just didn't rank top 10 on the billboard or whatever it is but i I would like to tackle those obscure anomalies even to to pick on eric tukey over at boulderhill.net he took that what is it the uh usa train uh, uh, yeah, the Cartoon Express. Cartoon right. Express, yeah. So, I mean, that was an obscure thing. If you didn't have USA, if you didn't have cable, you didn't know that thing existed. So <laughs> right. kudos to him because he he obviously named his podcast out of that. And it was actually an, an awesome thing. And I'm like, I want to tackle just that. Just yeah. to pick on all the stupid cartoons, you know, that came up and off, you know, off that. Yeah. And I can kind of go back and forth, too, with some people online about – uh some of those like cult classic movies and how, you know, for some reason or another, it, it missed me. Uh, and, and those are, you know, a hot topic now, you know, there's whole websites built on just like cult classic uh, movies, TV shows, even, you know, other podcasts that dive into this. So we're not necessarily, uh, you know, trying to get into, that world, but it's also something that it's kind of personal as well, where, like you said, you hadn't seen Shawshank Redemption 
uh, in its initial run. I remember actually watching that one uh, over at Brian Smeal's house <laughs> right out of, I think we were right out of high school. Uh, a few of us came over and, uh, and watched that, uh, rented it. It was a rental. wasn't in the, the theaters, but yeah, I mean, that was on, on cable for years and it seemed like it was on every weekend on TBS, TNT and those stations. And there's movies like that, that, it, that, that kind of get their glory after the fact uh, and then there's some that just, you know, we're <laughs> just totally died out and there's, they're not even on DVD yet. You know, they're not even out there on streaming to, to get to that point to rewatch. So that's going to be a big part of how we, I think, go about trying to find what shows, what movies, what cartoons to watch, just basically what's available to us thanks to YouTube and, uh, some of the streaming services and such online. But um, yeah, so yeah, one of those like cult classics that missed me was called The Wraith. And um, a good friend, Sean, over at Brandon in the 80s, I remember seeing several posts and tweets and stuff through the years. I finally watched it last year when it came to Netflix. And uh, so that was fun to kind of go back and and watch for the first time. So that's again, too. I mean, I want to go back and review some of the stuff that we remember as kids that we maybe only caught, like you said, one episode. Uh, but I also want to go back and see some stuff that I've just totally missed me. You know, uh, not everybody can uh, be at the movie theater every weekend and not everybody has every channel, like you said, on, <laughs> on TV, uh, especially back in the eighties, you know, if you didn't have cable, when the president's on your night was shot, you know, <laughs> Quoting Jeff Foxworthy. Jeff, yeah, that was a Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> one. So, yeah, so we, I kind of went back in, uh, and we created a list, you know, and we will kind of go through that and see how many, uh, that we both want to go and revisit. And uh, we'll just keep adding, see what's available online. That's probably and the key part there. Go for what's there. available, what's to watch. You know, we yeah. may not be able to get to watch. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Say the Dukes, the cartoon Dukes. Is it actually out there? Yeah. Can we watch it? It might be copyright all the heck. You know, we have to go to, I might have to take a trip back down to Cooters down in Luray, Virginia and get a DVD. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that might be the thing. We might uh, end up spending a little bit of our own money just to put these in our collection if we want to go back and, and do that if they're not available, you know, on streaming services or on YouTube. But um, anyway, that's kind of our setup to this series, we'll call it. And we're just going to have fun with it. I don't think we're going to necessarily tease you at the end of the show what we're going to do next. Uh, We'll just kind of go back and forth, I think. uh, And then it'll be a surprise when we do the next show. And uh, hopefully it'll be some things that, you know, you all might not remember. And hopefully there'll be some too that you're okay. I do remember that. It was, you know, totally, you know, rings a bell with you. And I want to do, you know, hopefully we'll get a good balance of stuff that you haven't watched or haven't heard of along with stuff. Oh yeah. I want to revisit that. So that's, I think that's kind of our approach as we go into these, these episodes, but let's, let's go ahead and start this man. Let's start. And we'll talk a little bit about, uh, this series called The Highwayman. Man. 
found it over there on YouTube on this channel. It's called TV's underscore Sledgehammer. And his icon is Sledgehammer, which was a fairly obscure television show back in the 80s. And he had several on his channel, so we'll go ahead and, and tout him a little bit for uh, taking the time to, to upload these. And uh, we dove right into the Highwayman. And we'll just go kind of what we're going to do is kind of go over uh, like the synopsis of the show, when it was released, how many seasons. We'll go through kind of the, the creators and behind the scenes people. And we'll talk a little bit about the, the stars of the show, some guest stars. And I think for this show, since we only got, uh, there was nine episodes and one TV movie, uh, we might just go ahead and quickly run through the episodes and pick out some highlights to, uh, to talk about. But the TV movie was originally released back in 1987, in September. And uh, it followed this... Uh, uh, adventures of the highwaymen, which is like this mysterious group. Presumably they are the uh, part of the U S marshals and they conduct crime fighting missions and solve mysteries across the U S and each highwayman is in this group and equipped with this high tech multifunctional truck and some, some uh, heavy sidearms as well. Yeah. Uh, as we see uh, through here. But uh, created by Glenn A. Larson, which we know from one of our favorite shows, of course, Knight Rider. And he did several, several other shows. Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, BJ and the Bear, The Fall Guy, and Magnum P.I., just to name a few. I was really excited once I remembered that he was part of the show. Because, you know, you know, like I said, Knight Rider was one of those that mm-hmm. we just can't get enough of even today, you know, was there anything that kind of stuck out to you as you went back and kind of looked over the, the history of the show? Well, we identified it in agents of mass, but uh, I feel like I'm kind of covering it again. I never really paid attention back in the day. Cause I never really looked at who created it. I only saw that one episode, like I had said. So what caught my eye and it made sense, complete sense after seeing the dashboard, how similar it looked like, to the season four, well, season three, season four of Knight Rider of Kit's Dash, it looked very similar. It had the little bit brighter, uh, slightly wider LED pattern, kind of more modern pattern with the little TV screen in the middle. And you could see the tachometer and the speedometer light bar, just like you would, except, you know, Kit was curved, obviously. Uh-huh. But when I saw it was Glenn Larson, I'm like, well, geez, that would just make sense. I see Kit right there. It's, configured a little different but i see kit at least on the inside mm-hmm. but yeah I, I i honestly didn't know he did magnum pi i'll be honest i knew he did a lot, a lot of other things i just didn't know he was a part of magnum pi um yeah. but that's what stuck out i think the most to me and how similar it was in that instead of the truck like on night rider right the truck was the remote office slash repair shop for for kit this was the star. The truck was the star and it just happened to carry whatever it needed on occasion. It happened to carry a Lotus right behind it. You know, whenever he needed to go and act, actually go out on the town or drop uh, or tell DC to go take a 
ride back to town or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So that was what was kind of cool that they very subtly married Kit and Night, well, really Night Rider into that truck. And I, I, I applaud them how they, how they did that very well. Yeah. We need to also mention too that the essentially co-creator of the show, Douglas Hayes, he was also tied to uh, Magnum PI, directed uh, several of those episodes, and also directed the pilot movie for Highwayman. Um, so he was part of that uh, creative team as well. And then uh, we had several uh, stars here on the show. We wanted to go over uh, just to talk about, I guess their part in the show and uh, I guess a little bit behind where they came from a little bit of their uh, filmography, but uh highwayman starred uh, Sam Jones, who most people would know from the flash Gordon movie back in 1980. Uh, he also played uh, several little bit parts in popular TV shows. He had an episode of the a team uh, Hunter, Riptide, Hardcastle McCormick. And then he did a couple cameos. If you've ever seen the movie Ted and Ted 2 with the little yeah. bad mouthed uh, teddy bear <laughs> in recent years, he had cameo roles in, uh, in there with his bleach blonde hair, like from Flash Gordon. But uh, I didn't really remember him. I, Flash Gordon was not one of those films that I've seen over and over again and, and is really a a cult classic to me. So I, I really uh, was not connected to him much in any way before going on and, you know, rewatching the highwayman. Um, well, you have me dumbfounded now because, uh, well, I never watched the, the, the original flash movie back in the 80. Um, but you're telling me that he was on an episode of a team and I'm mm-hmm. trying to, fast forward through my head and tries to think where I've seen him and I cannot place him. I'm going to, now I'm going to have to dig out my yeah. ATV. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember uh, which episode either. It's not really noted in here. We'll have to kind of dig through there and see what we can find and, and remember which episode he was in. But, uh, and then we have a couple of actors that were in basically the pilot movie. And we'll talk a little bit about maybe the differences between the pilot uh, movie that was released. And then once they started the actual TV show, but um, in the, in the uh, pilot movie, we had Claudia Christian who played Dawn. She was like the uh, dispatch almost. And she's probably best known for her role in the series Babylon five. And she's been in some other, I, I would call probably uh, bit parts too through uh, several uh, movies and TV shows, but that's probably what she's best known for. And then we also had Stanford Edgy, Eggy, who was uh, Mr. Toto in the pilot. Now he was, I believe the, the, the tech guy that showed up in uh, and showed the uh, highway, how to make the truck invisible. If you remember that part in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty cool. Uh, and he's not really known for much else than a uh, few things here or there. So those two actors, again, they were only in the pilot movie. And then once we started up the show, this is where we get essentially highways counterpart 
who is uh, Jetto, who's played by Mark Jackson, a.k.a. Jacko, who most people remember from the uh, Energizer commercials. <laughs> Get new Energizer, oi! What's the longest lasting battery you can buy? I'm getting some prizer! New Energizer! Set up the prizer! New Energizer! Oh, you topped the test! New Energizer went best! battery you can buy he always brought the uh <laughs> he always brought the energy as he's doing these energizer commercials and they had the little jingle you know and he had a more of a short-lived career in uh in television this being uh well of, of course he came from australia and he uh had a big uh background in the uh, Australian rules football uh, as an athlete. And then he uh, started acting and basically his first uh, gig, like I said, was the, uh, the energizer commercials. And he did some other commercials for Nutrigrain. And then uh, of course doing uh, the Highwayman. And really that's, that's not, there's not much else there. There's a, uh, a, a couple other, short little parts uh, in his filmography in 1994, one called Signal One, and then some uh, other films in, in the 2000s. But this is this is kind of the peak of his career <laughs> in show yeah. business, doing this show, if that tells you anything, you know, <laughs> a, a nine-episode uh, show. Um, we also had some other actors in the series Jane Badler who played uh Tanya Winthrop now she was kind of like uh Highway's I guess you would call her boss in the show and she was in several episodes uh basically uh giving Highway direction and and what to do in his missions and so forth uh she was also in the series V if you remember that in its original run where uh, we had those aliens hiding out as as uh, humans. Oh man, that scared the crap out of me as a kid. <laughs> but she did uh, she did uh, some other television shows in the eighties. Uh, some like guest uh, appearances. Riptide is one. She was uh, she had a, a pretty long part in Falcon Crest for a while, uh, twenty two episodes, and then uh, Jake and the Fat Man. She was a guest star and Murder She Wrote that sort of thing. She was in a mission impossible TV show for 24 episodes in 1989 and 1990. And then uh, just some other little bit parts here and there episodes. And they did bring her back actually for the, uh, the V reboot in 2011. And she got nine episodes in there. So, so she was the, uh, the boss, essentially, we had uh, Tim Russ as DC Montana in the series, and he was now more of the, I guess what I would call the Bonnie of Knight Rider right. in the sense of being the mechanic or uh, taking care of any problems with the truck, introducing new technology, that sort of thing. Um, he, I guess, primarily known for Star Trek Voyager mm-hmm. and... uh 
He was in the uh, the Nickelodeon series iCarly, Samantha Who. So there's uh, some smaller run TV shows. Uh, it's <laughs> I did find out this. This was funny. Where uh, in the movie Spaceballs, when they are combing the desert, and the guy looks up and says, "Man, we ain't found." <laughs> that was him. <laughs> That's where he's from. I'm gonna try to place him on Spaceballs. <laughs> I knew I'd seen so, him somewhere uh, on there. Yeah, uh, I thought that was probably uh, the <laughs> the best credit I've ever found when digging through Wikipedia on somebody. Uh, and then finally, we'll get through uh, not really a person in the show per se, but the narrator uh, of the Highwayman intro is William Conrad, who. Uh, I guess you, most people would know as the fat man from Jake and the fat man and several other credits to his name, uh, going back into the like sixties and seventies, his voice is very distinctable early career in like radio. And that was, uh, I don't know, probably back in the f- maybe forties and fifties when he started, mm-hmm. uh, his career, but, uh, several, Narration parts, Rocky and Bullwinkle, The Fugitive back in the 60s. And then, like I said, Jake and the Fat Man, he was uh, on that show. That ran from 87 to 92. The TV series Canon, that was back in the 70s as well. But uh, several, several credits to his name dating decades. And uh, like I said, doing that and it essentially the uh, the narration part of his career this was one of his last little parts uh he did the the narration for hudson hawk uh which was 1992 and that's really the last in his filmography for for voice credit but very distinctable voice and i I thought it brought a lot to just introducing the show and even in the even in the in the pilot movie there was a longer you know narration there I find it funny with with Glenn Larson, at least in these two series between Knight Rider and Highwayman, he liked that deep, almost a raspy voice to narrate. And that's what I found also fascinating with how Glenn must have picked this person because it's it's very distinct, just like uh, Richard Basehart was the narrator for Knight Rider. Mm hmm. You can't not miss this guy, this voice. You know it's distinct. And it really, to me, it sets the atmosphere for what the show is. Even though it seems like a slight narrative, especially with uh, Highwayman, it's still, it's like a piece of it. It has to be there, just like on Knight Rider. That piece, you know, has to be there. That that little, little bit of verbiage. In fact, mm-hmm. when we watch the pilot of Knight Rider, it feels wrong <laughs> there's no wording right 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 you don't so, get that set up right and, and I, I love it and it, i i found it really uncanny and and awesome to hear him there's a world between here and now you know yeah that that was just awesome how the how he does it there is a world just beyond now where reality rides a razor thin seam between fact and possibility where the laws of the present collide with the crimes of tomorrow. 
Patrolling these vast outlands is a new breed of lawman, guarding the fringes of society's frontiers. They are known simply as highwaymen. And this is their story. Yeah, it's it's very ritualistic. And so yeah. when you're watching each episode, that that little bit of familiarity between episodes, I think, adds a lot to it. Yeah. And to set up set up each episode. So uh, anyway, I was doing a lot of talking there, and I'm going to throw it over to you before we get into uh, basically running through the series. Uh, give me your thoughts on just a like an overall on the show, and what what did you really enjoy going back through and watching this time? Was it just the you, you wanted to see uh, the highways rig in action, or was there uh, another maybe element of the show that you never never got in that first run or first, you know, couple episodes there that you remember seeing. Right. Well, I guess for me, it's usually the vehicles. I love to see what the vehicles can do. I'll be honest. I was slightly unimpressed with mm-hmm. what the helicopter could not do. I mean, granted this was after airwolf. So you mm-hmm. expect to have some souped up chopper to do something other than fly around. I mean, it got gets him out of trouble, and there's one episode where he's doing underground sonar-looking stuff on it, but that's it. it you still see uh, Highway and, and Jetto, you know, pointing their guns out the window, do, 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 doing <laughs> yeah. whatever. I'm like, come on, put some rockets on this baby or something. Yeah, yeah that, did not, that did not really compete with me either. And for those of you who have not watched the show, essentially Highway's tractor trailer the cabin part opens up and a helicopter comes out and he's able to well i guess for the most part he uses it to get out of a sticky situation yeah or maybe even chase somebody down that's got a head start on him or something it wasn't really like you said it wasn't really rigged up for weaponry or being used as a weapon and it's that was hilarious to me. I think that was in the pilot, actually, where he's where we first see that, and he hovers over you know those rows of police cars and holds his shotgun out the window and just unloads on them, and they're you know blowing up more like a missile launcher, small missile. Well, he, true, I, and that was another thing too that I don't know. It, it kind of set a little weird with me was this this firearm that he has that is essentially like a rocket launcher in a shotgun sized form. And, you know, he carries it around like a pistol. (laughs) It's a lot of firepower to have on your hip, you know, trying to, you know, conduct your uh, business. If, you know, if people knew exactly what it did and he whips it out and points at somebody, you know, you pretty much tell him anything you wanted to tell. Yeah. To not get blown up, but I did notice that too, and that was, uh, yeah, that was a, a little bit of a head scratcher coming from these uh, these vehicles that were stars of television shows back in the day that just had so much firepower on them. You think of, like you said, Airwolf, Street Hawk, you know, Kit. They all had some kind of missiles or could do, you know, some damage if you needed them to, and and those were the weapons. But uh, it was a little bit different. And and again, I was disappointed, like we were talking about earlier, where you had that 
that uh, invisibility feature on there, or what? The, what do you call it? Like oh, the stealth cloaking, mode. stealth mode. Yeah, um, that was a neat feature. I think they might have used it what twice in the pilot movie, and you don't get it in the no in the TV show. It no, just kind of that was you don't see. The other thing that I I did like. I mean, I I still think the truck was cool. You got the jet engines, but we only saw that happen once. The other thing I, I liked about it, it was kind of um, that modern Western, if I could put it like that, where you do have kind of the, you got one draw with me attitude. You know, you're going to, yeah. you're going to regret you draw because you get that killer, <laughs> killer gun on you. But I like it. You know, I like in that gun, even with the Western holster and the whole look, I still call it the sci-fi kid in me. I thought of RoboCop. It just didn't come out of his leg. Yeah. But nonetheless, I liked that. I also liked how it wasn't until the end, end of the series, but they really didn't, if they did it like Michael Knight, they really kept the romance, the best term. They kept the romance down because I loved Knight Rider. Don't get me wrong. But Michael's out with every new chick every episode, sometimes two. But <laughs> yes. throughout the series, he had a hankering for Bonnie. So there was that subtle, you know, you're the backup lady, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, but that's what I liked about this. They didn't really push it in front of you like other right. shows would. And that's what I, I, I appreciated really about it. Mainly yeah. because I'm, as a, as a, as, especially as a kid, you want to watch Knight Rider. You want to watch the kid jump and whatever else. You don't, as a parent, you really don't <laughs> want your son looking at, Michael's new girl in a bikini. I mean, well, maybe you do, but the kids, you probably don't want to be doing that. But anyway, so that I, I love that. I love Jacko with coming on the scene. It took a while for me to get used to him. Uh, I've actually had to watch it again to really yeah. enjoy him because he comes in there and he is, he is that obnoxious younger brother. You wish you could almost deny that he's your kin. Because <laughs> he just, I, especially the one episode where he's like, Hey, who parked their car in my super trucks spot? Uh, your lights are on, you know, that kind of thing. He just made this big, obnoxious. Entry. Yeah. He was, he was definitely a scene stealer more oh, than anything. Yes. Come in is loud. And like you say, obnoxious and delivers a comedic line and laughs at his own joke and you're on to the next scene and he <laughs> he gets a little on your nerve after a while i mean he did it the first go around i'm, I'm only so, on you're right uh, and, you know, i'm on i was re-watching it to kind of make sure i still remembered what we were going to talk about today he started to grow on me now that i've watched it and i've seen it what about you what what grabbed you what did you like what did you not like uh, on the overall of it i know i loved Jetto's truck too. I liked them both. I could. Yeah. It's not like you know, divvying up Airwolf and Santini Air. You know, which one do you want? You want the little striped copper, or do you want the cool jet engine chopper? You know. Right. Um. Well, kind of piggybacking on what you said about my concept of the show going in. And again, I, I think I vaguely remember probably watching the episode that you had recorded at your house. You know, whenever that was as kids or whatever, that was pretty much my only exposure to it. 
So going in and, and seeing the uh, the headline that it's like Knight Rider meets Mad Max, it was, yeah, it was kind of set in the future, but only by a few years. And it's probably because of just the uh, the technology they were using, you know, at the time. It wasn't necessarily a, a futuristic or what you would call post-apocalyptic, you know, in, in Mad Max's case. So, and I, the feel of it kind of changed somewhat too from the movie to the TV series where I felt like the TV series was more just modern day. And, you know, they had that, uh, that rundown uh, section where the, uh, the gang and the, uh, the main character, or at least the, the story character in the pilot movie was staying and that kind of felt, you know, all right, we're in the, uh, the times of people happen to live wherever they can. And, and, you know, it's not a, not a true modern culture and, you know, capitalism, all that stuff going on. You, you have the poverty levels out there. So I, I felt that was a, a little bit, uh, maybe not accurate, when when looking at the uh, description of the show, that it was just more okay. okay we're we're still in the. I think some some of the uh, episodes even said it was like 1992. So it's like maybe five years in the future uh, from when it was actually uh, released. So that was a little bit different than what I expected, and I thought it pretty much worked. You know, had they added in all these other new features and stuff to the truck and and kept moving forward with that, then maybe it would have been uh, better to, to go and in, in the future a little bit more that um, I was also kind of impressed just going through the first like four or five episodes. You, <laughs> I mean, you went from like uh, aliens to time travel. There was just kind of these, what you, uh, what every, it seemed like every show kind of went through at some point or another, but uh, they were covering all the, the hot topics, I guess <laughs> for, yeah. for shows at the time. And uh, for the most part, I thought that it worked. You know, I, I, there wasn't an episode where uh, this is just, you know, stupid. I'm going to go on to the next one. Uh, I, I got it. You know, I got through all, every episode in, in the movie and came out the other end, you know, pretty well enjoying it. And there was just those few disappointments, like you were saying that, you know, where's the firepower on the trucks and that kind of thing. Uh, you want, you want the, the trucks to be more of the stars. I thought Jetto's truck was a little bit of a letdown too. It was more like a sports car <laughs> coming with a trailer, you know, it right. wasn't, didn't seem, uh, in just the look of it was cool. It was kind of futuristic but didn't really do much for me in this day and age, I guess. Well, what disappointed me with Jetto's truck was, you know, they just, they take it off the trailer to go faster. And it looked like essentially just an oversized eighties box car yeah. going down the street. Yeah. But you see him flying that Hughes 500 every now and then, but you don't see where it comes from. And I always assumed, even to now, I've always assumed that that little bubble you saw on the trailer, that was the dome for that 
for that canopy or the the chopper but you don't see the trailer split or you don't see a little pocket where it yeah. comes out just like highways truck it's just i think it's one of those it's assumed and they didn't know how to work the trailer that way yeah or, or didn't have the money to do the special effects you know, right you could you could essentially tell they were using somewhat the same footage recycled for highways uh animation there i'll call it animation because it was you could tell it was models but oh yeah and they did that with Knight Rider too, but, and that was, you either did that or you had to spend some buku bucks on some major mechanical and, you know, robotics and, and stuff to do something like that in real life. So you can't blame them for, you know, the route that they took and being a, a new series, you know, I don't know how much it took to make each episode, but that TV movie wasn't cheap blowing up all those cars and, no. <laughs> You know, I actually physically building the uh, the rigs and stuff too. But um, okay, well, um, I guess since we kind of went back and forth, let's just run through the episodes. We'll talk a little bit about the guest stars and and so forth as we go through here. We're not gonna, I don't think, spend too much time on this. We want to kind of get through here and, and get our final take and final recommendation or, or non-recommendation, I guess you would say. But uh, so in the pilot and how the, the series starts out, I'm just going to read what I pulled here basically from Wikipedia, which is uh, the mysterious highwayman becomes involved with a biker gang called the Bullets who rob a small town bank and their leader, Bo Zyker, ends up in jail. But it emerges that the Bullets were set up to take the fall for a huge fraud instigated by a local bigwig and the town sheriff. So I thought this, the pilot itself had like an A-team episode feel where it's, you know, kind of the small town and the, the, the sheriff and the you know mayor or whoever is, you know, backdooring uh, the, all the citizens and stuff. And you got to bring in somebody almost like a Knight Rider episode too, if you think about it. There's a lot of those small town go in and let's help these guys out. But it was, uh, I thought it was pretty fun. The the uh, guest star who played Bo Zyker is Jimmy Smith, who you know, most of you will know from like uh, NYPD Blue. He's had a pretty long career. I thought it was funny that he's kind of the, uh, <laughs> almost the uh, official guest star for pilot episodes because he was the original partner for Don Johnson in Miami Vice in that pilot and uh, ends up getting uh, shot, spoiler alert, and uh, <laughs> in comes uh, <laughs> in comes Tubbs. But uh, so he was in there. We had also had some fun guest stars in this one. Part of the biker gang is Lyle Alzado, who it was a former NFL player turned actor. And uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper is in this, of course, from the uh, WWF, as we know. And then, obviously, later he did come back and, and wrestle in the WWE. So having those two in the biker gang and uh, some of the other uh, guest stars, like G. Gordon Liddy, he was the the uh, the big wig that was you know rear-ending the town in this one as well. Um, this, was a, this was a pretty fun movie, I thought. What was your thoughts? Well, right away, you know, me and my 
my my connections i saw a lot of the same actors in this pilot that they had in the pilot for night rider different places but the same people um it was just fascinating that they used the same characters and then on top of that they had wings hauser for sheriff wyatt right and right away when i saw him i recognized him from the red wolf episode of airwolf he's the yes. rogue red wolf pilot uh so it was awesome to see that they brought him out and what's funny about g gordon liddy i didn't know who the heck he was until i was working radio mm-hmm. in illinois and we had him as a radio talk show host and then it, puzzle pieces put started falling into place because i saw him in there i saw him on i want to say i saw him on 18 yeah and some other episode i'm like geez this guy's an actor and or went radio it was just fascinating to see these guys and same thing right you know me and my dukes of hazard right away when they're doing the bank robbery they're using the same exact bank the same corner building as the bank <laughs> so it was actually awesome to to see that and then um just well i couldn't keep my eyes off hazard that was about it uh <laughs> But it was so cool that they they married all this together, even though, you know, Hazard's really that town set has been used for just about everybody anymore, it seems. Right. But to see the the stars and you know that at least when you're watching like Knight Rider and a couple of his pilots, you know, he's throwing some serious bank into it, trying to get it to get off the ground. So by throwing those those awesome actors, those guys that you know are the or hot names yeah the hot names at the time right even the even the supporting actors the the ones that you saw like i said on the pilot where you get the 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 bartender mm-hmm. the bartender there was one of the bad guys on night rider that you know beat up uh beat up on well tried to beat up on michael and he cleaned house mm-hmm. um just oh my dude glenn you just have these on retainer you want to make sure that this sells and i like it one other thing too, just going uh, comparing to Knight Rider, is they dropped in several of the the popular top forty hits. Oh yeah, in this movie, kind of like they did between scenes with Knight Rider, they would throw in a, a top forty hit every once in a while. Usually, it was sung not by the original artist, and I, for the most part, that's the same. I think uh, in this uh, movie, but. It was fun. I liked that the uh, the contact point there for him, the the, the woman was a, a disc jockey basically, mm-hmm. and she would drop hints as he's you know driving through town. Uh, you know, this one goes out to the highway guy, and he needs to call his mama or whatever you know, she would say. To uh, essentially, that was the way to relay messages to him. Um, but they, you know. Take some money to uh, syndicate those songs in TV, and it could be part of the reason why the show's never been released on DVDs. Once you get start getting into those mm-hmm. territories, they either have to edit that, you know, song out somehow, or uh, or you got to you know pay those residuals royalties to keep those songs in there. So what I what I did like about this, I wish they would have kept it going. Was me looking back because we've both been in the radio field mm-hmm. and that's they had the that subtle dj the radio broadcaster who was home base and i thought that would have been so cool to be 
if they would have left that character be mm-hmm. and just, you know, every periodically, hey, reach out to mama while we're spinning the tunes to Chicago or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that is oh, so yeah. cool to have that side channel sitting in yeah. the radio station in the booth. No one else knows it except her. Hey, highway, let's let's go out to check out the aliens over there in episode two. You know, that <laughs> that would have yeah. been so cool versus the rogue boss and that just happens to show up kind of like Archangel. Just shows up, makes the deal. Okay, you get involved, Highway. And she yeah. it basically is in and out of the scene after that. That's right. That's right. And I don't know. It's kind of weird too. It being radio, and you know how how strong is this radio station that he's? Unless you know, unless you got several people set up across, you know, the U.S. as he's out on the highway, the highway man. You said doing it in this our, thing. You said it in our rediscovered the eighties, the memory jogger podcast. It's the AM skip. Crank out that power. It bounces off at night. True. Reach true. out to the longest stretch. There. <laughs> Very true. Very true. It could have been an AM station. <laughs> but anyway, so we were talking about the rifle, right? That the cool, yeah. the one thing I liked about this scene and me being the religious man is where the guy's like, we got to test this gun, right? We got to, we got to check it out, you know, and he texts it out and he goes to the indoor gun range and, you know, pulls the trigger and it happens to hit the wall right behind, or actually I think the floorboard under, underneath the sheriff. And then the sheriff is sitting there saying, well, may God strike me dead. Boom. And highway <laughs> says, you shouldn't mess with God, sheriff. <laughs> me, me being a man of faith. I'm, I'm like that right there. You don't mess. That's right. <laughs> I love that scene. It was actually pretty cool. Yeah. I do remember that, but yeah, so I, I enjoyed the pilot and then, Let's go ahead and transition into the series itself. Uh, episode one, Road Lord. This is uh, one of the, the fellow highwaymen uh, gets murdered and highway goes to investigate and uncover some sinister goings on at the local secretive production complex. But um, he's actually shocked to find that the, uh, the man is still seemingly alive there. And there's something very different about him. Just a little fun fact here. The the title on this episode is not shown on screen, which is the only episode of the series that actually doesn't tell you the name of the episode. So, but some, I guess some people gave it uh, the road Ranger as the title, but it's basically known as road Lord with the, uh, with the copywriting and this. And uh, there's a, a, a few notable uh, people on this uh, again, lots of uh, sci-fi actors in and out throughout this series that uh, people might know. And Lockhart from Battlestar Galactica, and you had uh, Kent McCord also on the uh, the early Battlestar Galactica in this episode. What did you did you pull anything out from this one that you enjoyed? Well, what, what, I guess the oddity that I saw was the same Steve has the mm-hmm. same truck as Highway. So, or he yeah. bought the truck. One of the two happened. I liked that he was, I guess, in, in, in that respect, he went to go to the family highway, that is, went to go to the family and pay his respects and tell them the, the news directly. And then 
this is where we find old uh we get to meet Jetto and his right. obnoxious obnoxious, if that's even a word. <laughs> um and we see what clever device that he has. He has the uh, like a chromed uh boomerang, and this is how he knocks out the trucks. And his little yeah. thing is to lick lick it before he throws it. <laughs> and what I find funny about it is you know, he pulls up along the trucks and he just instead of just Hey mate, looks like you're having a bit of trouble. He screams it. Hey mate, look like you're having a truck problem. Like he's that <laughs> or something. Um, but I mean, it was cool. I mean, you get to see what he's carrying. But there, here's the here's the thing that the corny thing that I saw about it. You know, he gets out of the truck, and the other truck driver doesn't know that this dude is packing some serious heat on his sidearm. Right. He has a belt of nothing but serious bullets around his waist. So. <laughs> yeah, sure. I want some help. It wasn't even. It was like, I didn't even notice. Yeah. Um, well, the, it's funny because he's so he's tall too. I, I think he's maybe a little bit taller than the Highway. They're both pretty tall. Yeah. But then to come in and just scream at people the way <laughs> the way he you know delivers the lines and just the personality overall of the character is just larger than life. And and like I said before, he's just a scene stealer. He just goes in and yep. it's hard not to not to notice him, you know. <laughs> so tell me if I'm wrong. I'm trying uh-huh. to find the the actress that played is it Ann Lockhart? She's she played the wife? I believe so, yes. So she's on she was on Airwolf. I think she was even on Knight Rider. And every time I see her, at least in these episodes, she's always the crier. She's always the one that whines. She's always <laughs> the one that gets hysterical. And I, that has to be her, like, like her, her thing to, to be able to pick, be picked up. And it could it, I always see her, what? The whole thing. I'm like, dude, you must <laughs> know for this. But that's the other thing I took from it is, is obviously that. That and I paid attention. You know how I may pay attention to the vehicles, right? Yeah. Whenever they are driving it, I'm I'm sure it's just because of the scene they got to pull up to the camera and their stops. Every time they're driving, the actors are driving. I don't hear that truck shift. I hear another truck shift to second or third. They're always in first gear. But if you see them out on the highway, or they're getting up to speed, they must change out actors because then I hear the gears shift. So I don't know if it's like, okay, actor, you're going only five mile an hour, and that's the best you're doing. You're going to keep it at first. I don't want you to damage this truck. We're right. just only one of. <laughs> I don't know. That, that's something I, you know, me and my things I pick up. That's the thing I picked up on these trucks. Is it was seemed like they never got it out of first gear, quite literally. Yeah, yeah, I agree uh, as well. So what about um, you? What did you pick up about the episode aside from me rambling about the it was okay. I mean, again, uh, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much we can go into spoilers, but it it was okay as far as I, I wouldn't rank it uh, as one of my favorite episodes, really, of the whole series. But there's always this kind of episode, it seems, in these shows where you know somebody's friend dies, and mm-hmm. you know they essentially are are still alive somewhere and up to no good. You know that's a that's a that's a stereotypical episode for you know whatever show you're watching back in the '80s. It seems like so I I don't know. That's why I was I was like yeah you know it was it was good and you know you got to introduce you know 
accustomed to the new characters for the the TV series, but that's that's pretty much all I took away from it. The next one, however, was was pretty good, called The Hitchhiker, and uh, this one is it had a fun plot because you had uh, well, essentially, Highwayman he's uh, assigned to transport this supposedly dead alien uh, from a crash site to a research lab. And there's this reporter lady that comes on scene and she's determined to find out what's going on. And then we find out that the alien might not be dead. Is it like, you know, sits up in the back of the truck? Well, I'll get into the, uh, the guest stars. Of course, the one that really stuck out to me was uh, Joe Rigobuto who was uh, in Street Hawk. He was uh, Street Hawk's government buddy there that, that essentially ran the show from his uh, computer screen uh, in their hideout. He was uh, one of the army guys, essentially one of the major, I think, on base. So he immediately popped out to me. I'm trying to think who else might have been in this one that I would have recognized from somewhere else. But the episode itself I thought was fun in that we get the mysterious aliens and uh, we get to learn a little bit more about Highway's truck too. And and they call them in. They're not just essentially mystery solvers, but they're there to use their high tech truck and transport, you know, uh, secret things uh, and, and to keep them safe, you know, since this thing is, I guess, practically impenetrable uh, or at least, more safe than you would throwing it in a regular tractor trailer to get it across country. But you, you got to tell a little bit more about highways job essentially by just going to the transport this. And then you get this little sci-fi edge as well with the episode. What did you pull out of this one? Well, you say how high tech it is, or at least impenetrable, but I was really dismayed about this episode because not one of those army guys opens fires on that truck. They're sitting there wow. scrambling in the episode, come back here, or whatever, and they're not doing a thing about it, and they have to chase <laughs> them down. Right. I'm like, so is this truck not at all bulletproof? That that was my take. So I was a little upset that we didn't see that, okay, this this has the molecular bonded shell. This has something on it, you know, armor plated yeah. something. But well, I think it did just a the- cheesy army. I'm like, army dude. Open up, open the the grenade launcher, something. I think they did say that it it somehow the trailer contained the radiation or something that the was supposedly given off. There there was a reason why they were using the truck, whether it was you know armor plated or <laughs> had the the you know the molecular bonded shell. We don't know, but there was a reason they used the truck to contain this alien body. It was given off radiation. Anyway, I enjoyed this uh, episode. It was probably one of the favorites out of the series. I'll let you go ahead and take the next couple uh, introduction if you want to go ahead and do that. Sure. Well, the, it, we all go on to episode three, Till Death Duel, Us Part. This is where Highway breaks Cody Teague, his friend and mentor from Vietnam, out of a prison for stealing an armored car of which Highway is certain he is innocent. Now, both of them are fugitives, and a number of parties, including Jetto, are after them as they search for the evidence to prove Cody's innocence. We get our guest stars, Chad Everett and Joseph Bottoms, who plays the Cody Teague. Mm-hmm. I don't recognize those guys too well. 
but uh, what I gleaned from this is I liked how they pitted Jeddo versus yeah a highway in the air, but ultimately you know you see Jeddo dodging and and throwing the the chopper off as as the the co-pilot or his his partner the rogue guy was trying to shoot down highway yeah and it was and of course he's being obnoxious oops i'm sorry mate you know that kind of thing you know, <laughs> oh, i slipped again just kind yeah. of you know that was kind of cool and, and i liked how it was kind of like a scene from night rider where he busts in he gets into a jail to basically get busted out to try to fight, get to the root cause of everything yeah so it was pretty they, cool they circled back to this episode too later in the series yes it might have been the very last episode, if I if my memory serves me correctly. So. Basically, with this uh, this character, this mentor of Highway. So it was interesting in in that fact, and you know everybody's got a seemingly a mentor, you know where they start out or who they learn from, that kind of a thing. So that was kind of I guess stereotypical in these uh, television series, um, but that's what I took out too. what you were talking about with uh, how the highwaymen essentially report to, you know, this agency or whatever. And they, you know, their mission can, you know, be pitted against each other and they're not always working together where, you know, essentially they weren't going to have a showdown or anything, even though Jetto at a couple points tells them, I think they, wanting to come in or, you know, turn themselves in or something. But, um, and you could tell he was just, like you said, (laughs) being a little clumsy and letting them get away until they could, you know, prove their innocence, that kind of thing. But it was, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit more telling into the series having the, and it was fun having them pitted against each other in just episode number three. Right. That brings us on to number four, the haunted highway. When an American Indian is accused of murder, Highway and Jeddo investigate and stumble onto a long forgotten gold mine and an ancient curse of fire and ice, which will kill anybody who tries to mine there. This Mm -hmm. episode was originally scheduled for March 25th of 1988, but was postponed and eventually aired after all the other episodes although it is oftentimes referred to as Frightmare. I don't know why they changed it, but uh, we have our guest star, which I recognized right away, which was Marla Heasley from the A-Team. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of cool to see her there. Then we had Paul Coslow, Roger Gibson, Michael Horse, Dale Birdie, Gary Grubbs, and uh, a few others there. Mm-hmm. But it was... This one was, you know, I think every episode has that reach back where they they go into another culture and try to help that culture. I guess I like seeing it. I like that that they're, you know, they're not out to save only a select few people. Uh, Right. But that gold mine, that that intrigue where these people are mining after it, and they basically seem to be, lack of a better term, they they keep getting the curse trying to mine for it. And here... I think they eventually do find it. I I think that's what happens. That the I mean the the Native Americans do eventually get to to get to that that hidden treasure. Mm-hmm. What did you take from it? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
I don't know. I sometimes get stuck on the the stereotypes and how that you know they work in some of these Native American things into series, and it's you know, it seemed like there was a a pool of actors, Native American actors that appeared in every single television show when they needed one. So you you kind of recognize the faces in this, but yeah, yeah. I again, I you know I pulled out. Tanya there from the A team uh, recognized her, but uh, it's uh, again this one probably wasn't one of my uh, more favorite ones of the series, and uh, didn't really jot too many notes down or anything for uh, for this one. Uh, what about you? No, I, I'm the same. I didn't. It wasn't a highlight uh, by any means, but it was just you know me. I I. I I admire that they reach out and do the Native Americans. Yes, it seems like there's only a few Native Americans that became actors. Yeah. It's just like Amish. I'd seen the same Amish guy that appeared in MacGyver and something else within the same time frame. And I'm like, well, I guess if you're only got a few to pick from, you got to go with what you got. <laughs> um, right. Sadly. And what's funny is some of these actors I've seen, the Native Americans rather, were on MacGyver and later on, in the season four of airwolf. So like I said, you only got a select few and some of them have to travel (laughs) wherever the money is, wherever the show is. Right. Right. uh, Episode five, which is summer of 45, where we see highway and Jetto actually do a little bit of back to the future. Well, going back in time to 1945 to rescue miss Winthrop, who has not returned after pursuing a twisted genius who is intent on ending the atomic age before it ever even began. This is the only episode not to feature highways truck. I guess it must've had a fender bender before (laughs) or my take on this episode for this, for this particular point is that I think they were trying to show off the other truck. That's just my take. I think they're trying to, you know, we always see highways truck. It's always the star but we don't see much of Jetto's truck and what it does. So maybe yeah. that made this one the star for the episode. Right. Yeah. I, this was one of the better episodes too. Uh, one of my favorites of the, the series and, and just the, uh, the plot of it where, you know, somebody finds this portal essentially to the past and is using it pretty much for good in trying to, you know, stop the atomic bomb from being, you know, invented, created, put into use. And uh, there's this whole other little side plot too with Highway and uh, this girl from the diner, uh, which was a fun, basically a, a, a fun romantic story and how he meets her in the past and gets back to the future. And, <laughs> and then there's that little, uh, meet up there at the end of the episode too, kind of reminded me a little bit of like uh, Quantum Leap, and you know I don't know if they were, I, I don't know when uh, Quantum Leap began. I think that was probably after this show was, but it kind of uh, had a little bit of that feel to it. But I don't know. I like time travel and how they, how it was used, uh, particularly in this episode, and. I, I I enjoyed this one. I thought it was one of the better ones of the nine. 
Uh, Quantum Leap started in 1989. Okay, so that was that was after it. But um, like you, I, I like that they they did this little sci-fi take portal thing. I was trying to think. I thought he would try to keep it all separate, like he wouldn't get in anybody's business. But when he got to liking this girl, and then he, like you said at the end of the episode, he kind of revisited her. Mm-hmm. It's actually that that cool connection that, that that one mystery of of what happened for her, you know, basically forty years ago or so. Yeah, I think it was this episode. Me and the little things in the episodes, right? I think this episode is where. You see them getting in the truck or out of, and he's flipping just a bunch of switches, toggle switches in the truck. And a follow-up scene with the truck, they're indoors or inside the car, and it's the same dash as highways, all digital. (laughs) So I'm sitting there going, oh, okay, so they didn't do this one too well because you got tons and tons of flip switches all over, all mechanical manual switches. But then you got over here in the we'll call the CG world. It's really not. It's supposed to be all this nice digital stuff, but I'm sure just to get the truck running, they needed to do something to make it functional. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I, I, again, this was probably one of the ones I would uh, recommend you go back and take a look at. If you are going to review the series, the next episode uh, was uh, probably my favorite of the series called send in the clones. This one's had a highway befriending a strange, but friendly man named Mac who was promptly snatched away by the army. Uh, highway then is investigated what is going on and him and Jetto discover that Mac is actually a clone programmed with a deadly assignment. This episode actually doubled as a pilot for a proposed spinoff series called McClone, which was never produced. And Mac is played by NFL Hall of Famer, I think, uh, Howie Long. And just going back and trying to find his uh, first start in acting, uh, this was essentially it. He was in, a, I think, a couple of smaller roles before that while he was still playing. And I think this was still during his playing days as well. But um, it was fun to see him... Uh, there's some other, a couple movies in the nineties that I liked him in one called broken arrow with John Travolta, where he played basically his, uh, Travolta secondhand man, uh, one of the bad guys. And then he was, he had his own movie in, in 1998 called firestorm, uh, which was pretty cool. It was, uh, he was like a fireman, one of those that fights wildfires. And, uh, there was a, a plot going on with murder and uh, I believe it was uh, some kind of bank robbery and found himself kind of in the middle of that as these wildfires are going on. I did. I've always enjoyed. He's one of was one of my favorite players uh, growing up. So seeing him uh, in this episode was fun. And then this was another, you know, pretty cool plot for an episode for, uh, you know, being mid eighties and, and talking about uh, cloned people and, you know that they had the uh that scene in the diner where he's ordering stuff and he you know puts ketchup like on top of his burger and <laughs> they're trying to you know teach him basic stuff and he's, he's you know it just seems a little off obviously right. and then uh i don't know it was kind of a 
all ado about nothing, you know, at the end of the episode when, yeah, he, he wants to, what was it? The, uh, the mayor of New York, he was going after. And, uh, yes. yeah. <laughs> turns out he was not essentially trying to kill him, but uh, anyway, I thought it was a fun episode. What did you think? It was pretty cool, but I, I, it's weird. I thought it was more far-fetched than the, than the, the UFO, I guess, <laughs> but it was still interesting that it became because he was a clone. He really wasn't that robotic cyborg, whatever. Yeah. So he really wasn't a true programmed artificial intelligence. Right. It was just straight out. They cloned a body or cloned organisms and tried to throw junk in his head and hope that the guy would execute the mission. I thought it was pretty cool in a lot of scenes where we're like more comical, not really cool, but comical. Like you said, like when he's at the diner, yeah. and he doesn't know how to do stuff. And when they figure it out that he's operating as a 10 year old, you know, in a 30 year old's body, you know, so he doesn't know when he, when he walks up to that prostitute, you know, and Hey, I like you. Blah, 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 blah. Do you have any money? No. Oh, <laughs> I knew it was too good to be true. I mean, that kind of, <laughs> Com- comedy was there yeah it was a good i don't know that i call it my favorite but it was it was still a good a good episode okay well let's keep moving on we got three left episode seven was the billionaire body club and uh, this one had a uh, highway discovering a dead body drained of blood and missing organs and then they are him and jetto are sent in to investigate and they're soon on a trail of a bloodthirsty doctor trading in spare body parts for the rich and the powerful. And of course they're recognized right away. The doctor is played by Christopher McDonald, AKA shooter McGavin from yeah. uh, happy Gilmore <laughs> and several other, you know, television shows and movies along the way. So it was fun to see him in this kind of sinister type role and playing the bad guy. And he, you know, he's kind of good at that, but this was uh, maybe a step above, you know, some right. of the comical, you know, movies and such he's been in. What did you think of this episode? I think I liked it better. I think it because yeah. it got, it sucked me in and how they thought this one out where, like you said, they're harvesting organs for the rich, basically the rich and how to do. Mm-hmm. And I got sucked in because I'm like, man, I just want to smack this guy right now. Why are you taking so long to just not, you know, bulldoze him or something? It, 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 it really drew me in. And that's why I liked it. Yes, I saw Shooter McGavin. It was <laughs> sad that he's known for that now. But I always, <laughs> he's usually the bad guy. I don't think I've seen him as a good guy unless in passing. But I think I've always seen him as a bad right. guy character. And like you said, he's more sinister not unlike happy gilmore where he's more of a comic bad guy you know but yeah it was just i don't know i got i got sucked into this one this was good yeah. a, a lot better episode i don't if i remember it i don't think they did much with the truck i mean they just drove in and drove out i don't think they did they did have the uh the helicopter fly over they did like a recon on trying to find them in the warehouse there oh that's right that's right and they they stopped to uh Hey, there's a, we hear a helicopter, you know, while they're trying to do their surgery. But yeah, there was more just recon with the helicopter when they're trying to track down these guys. Right. But the the next episode was pretty good. 
the war zone. Yeah. Which is where after an accident, Jeddah's mind reverts to five years previously when he was double crossed by comrades in battle who turned out to be dealing in illegal drugs and weapons and tried to murder him. In a dazed and confused state, he hunts down the two men who are now in high positions as Highway and Montana try to stop him before the army takes him out, but uncovers a vein of corruption. This one, this is the episode I have. And I liked this one. Maybe it's because I had it. But I liked how they really worked with the character to to go on this rampage, right? That they they he was on these drugs or whatever he was on, believing that these guys were <laughs> like he said, these in my head. I don't know what. I don't know how to get rid of them, but they're in my head. That that, that expression. <laughs> It was actually kind of fun to watch. And then you see Highway go after him and then basically ditch Montana out in the desert. But that's where, you know, the guy that invents the truck forgets that he's carrying a Lotus back and behind him. I, I, whatever. (laughs) And they, I was trying to remember too, because that was part of it. You know, they used that in the pilot movie, but they didn't, I don't think used it at all in the series, did they? Just that one, this second time here. No. Yeah. So they, but, uh, I mean, it's another head scratcher as to why they didn't try to use that, <laughs> use that a little bit more, you know, in, in conjunction with the episodes. Right. But yeah, this was a, I, I liked it. I liked that realism that, you know, you got this guy that's dealt with these people and now these high up people are able to, or have hid the truth for so long. And it takes yeah. highway to kind of, shake his buddy down and break him and, and find out the truth and then basically save the day. Right. What did you take out of it? Well, this one had some fun guest stars. Of course, Wayne Newton was in there. And then the Colonel was played by Terry Kaiser, who is Bernie and weekend at Bernie's. So I couldn't, uh... that's who that's from. I could not <laughs> yeah. place him. I saw him somewhere. Uh, he, I thought he did a great job in this episode because he, it's again, it's another one of those TV tropes where you have the, uh, the person that's helpful in the investigation to begin with. And then you find out they're in on it, you know, at the end of the episode. So I thought his role was, was pretty, pretty good in this, uh, episode, but yeah, it's hard to get, you know, (laughs) Bernie out of your brain, uh, when you see him, uh, like that. But, I did like, again, with this series only being nine episodes, you still get a lot of backstory, you know, with Highway and his mentor there and, and a little bit of Jetto and a little bit of his history here and uh, and background into how he's now a highwayman. So uh, th- this was pretty good. I, I like this one a lot. Yeah. And we had one more left. Yeah, it brings us to Frightmare. Mafia crime lord Manetti's men use a high-tech machine that can read agents' minds to try to find the one man that is set to testify against him. When their victim dies, Manetti's men capture Miss Winthrop and Highway and Jetto are in a race against time to save her before Manetti discovers the witness's true location. The Like Jason identified earlier, this episode was the last to be filmed and was originally designed to be the last broadcast episode and in some ways bookends the series making references to and via the the memory machine reworking some scenes 
from previous episodes. But however, Haunted Highway had been postponed on March 25th and ended up being what was the actual final episode. I guess this was equally probably a, a, a great episode where they get this machine to be able to read people's minds, to get mm -hmm. into people. And then you see how the agency, for lack of a better term, really worked over the mind so that they could hide the truth of where all these people are. And then they get to Jetto and yeah. finally able to get something. And it ends up being that the whole episode was a farce anyway to capture these guys in the end. And I thought there was a, they, they did that cleverly because yeah. I even got kind of roped in on this thinking, wow, they, they did this pretty well, you know, like, oh, they, they got him, they got him. And here was actually that ploy to actually go after the bad guy. I, I really liked yeah. this episode. Yeah. And then, you know, they put the, uh, the boss lady, they capture her and Jetto. So they both get shoved into this machine and, you know, you just saw the, the machine fry a couple of people's brains. <laughs> right. So you get that suspense uh, added in as well. And uh, there was a, uh, at least one person this episode I recognized, uh, Jack Ging, who played uh, General Fulbright in yes. the, uh, what was it, the last season of the A-Team. Yeah, season five, right. He stuck out in this episode um as somebody i recognize but uh again this is uh the, this whole series had that sci-fi edge to it and uh bringing in this machine that could you know read minds and you have this little you know closed circuit tv above them with this thing wrapped around their skull and being able to you know go back to previous episodes and piece some other information together i thought that was pretty good and how that could have you know bookended the first season just the way the, the the story went and and how to do that i thought that was really good so yeah yeah this was one of uh, definitely one of the better episodes of the nine <laughs> in my opinion but well here we are we've uh we've kind of gone through all the episodes the movie pilot and uh we have rewatched all of the Highwayman, and uh, I guess w what do you think now? You know, revisiting the show uh, is it something you would personally, you know, if if it ever came to DVD, would you add to your collection, or is it just one of those that ah, I remember as a kid, and I'll just let it be a memory? No, you know me, I I, I lent on, so if it came out the DVD, I'd grab it probably in a heartbeat. <laughs> Uh, I just recently learned that Viper is out on DVD. Uh -huh. It comes with a price tag, though, so I'm holding off till a little bit. But uh, nonetheless, I'd, I would grab it. Mm -hmm. but it's hard for me. I'm sorry, but it's hard for me, especially right after seeing Airwolf, like I said before. It's hard for me that they didn't do something with those helicopters. They're To me, they're just conventional helicopters just to basically get themselves out of out of a bind or to do aerial reconnaissance it's not they they could have done far more with that helicopter maybe they didn't mm -hmm. want to step on copyright laws with airwolf and i get it but they could have done something <laughs> but True. otherwise i mean overall it was a great show i'm still sucked in i'm still i still like the you know the the quick draw western style look 
from from Highway. It, it, it was just a fun fun series. What? How did you think about it? Yeah, I I was glad I went back and rewatched it. Glad we found it. And other than the what you would call the the stereotypical tropes that end up in these shows, um, it was fun. It was fun to watch. Glad I did and would recommend somebody going through this if they remember it enough to know uh, a little bit about the show. Or even if you don't remember it at all, I would recommend at least checking out a couple episodes, if not the uh, the pilot movie, just for the the little sightings of those guest people we know. And I don't know. I was just thinking as you were talking again about the vehicles of if they had done a little bit more to make those vehicles, the star kept the stealth mode, uh, beefed up the helicopters, used that Lotus in the back of highway struck a little more. You think it might've gotten another season? Oh, definitely. I don't know why it was canned in the first place. I really don't. I'm sure there's research out there that says it, but I'm disappointed that it never lasted. The only thing I can think of is I didn't even really know it existed until my dad was telling me about it. And it was already into episode six or seven that it existed. So of course I was also a kid too. I was probably 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah. About 10, 11 years old when this came out. So of course I may not have watched enough NBC to get the, the, the spots, you know, but, I don't think it to me I my my judgmental opinion I guess there wasn't enough advertising to clinch you to to want to watch it now I could be completely wrong but maybe that's where they failed in keeping it going was lack of advertising yeah could have been I was just reading a little bit here as far as Though it was a, a short-run series, it was still broadcast in several countries, Germany, France, Italy, Mexico, several others, United Kingdom. So it got out there enough that it transcended just the United States. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Those, those Glenn Larson shows... Most of are most well known for you know either the sci-fi angle or that vehicle angle, and they pretty much covered both in this show. And like you said, uh, it's I don't know. It could have been it was just up against uh, some tough competition of the time, and didn't pull in the ratings to extend the series back then too. It seemed like a lot of these shows would pop up mid-season. You know, running March to May is is kind of towards the end of that season. They're not getting a full fall and spring series of episodes. You know, to uh, to keep the series moving along, it was probably replaced something along the way. You know, well, let's throw uh, we'll, we'll we'll give you the green light and we'll throw you on in the spring when uh, one of our other shows gets canceled. You know, <laughs> right. something like that it doesn't seem like they really you know, had this pump for, for primetime, even though the, the movie, you know, aired in that fall season of 87. But, um, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I would recommend it. And, uh, it's, it's one of those things, just part of, uh, eighties culture that we always kind of look back on where the, the cars, the vehicles are the stars of the show that just, you know, something like that really, 
hasn't happened in a couple decades, save for, you know, like the Knight Rider reboot that they did in what, I think that was 2008, which is 10 years ago now. But still, you know, that was a reboot, so it wasn't anything original. But back in the 80s, you know, these all these shows hooked us kids more or less more than adults sometimes just for the uh, the vehicles and how we, uh, we wanted to uh, wanted to have them in our collection and of uh, toys and you know imagine ourselves and pretended out in the driveway that we were driving kid or <laughs> airwolf or even the 18 van you know that wasn't really a supercar but it had that niche to where you know, I thought it, it if it was given another season, it might have done a little bit better and been able to last a little bit longer. But anyway, we are going to uh, turn off the uh, power button here on the TV for, for Highwayman and uh, tell you to go out to YouTube and search for the uh, channel TVs underscore Sledgehammer and go check it out. And uh, you can get back to us. You can either... Leave a comment on our YouTube recording video. You can go over to rediscoverthe80s.com and uh, leave a comment there on on the notes and the uh, announcement that we'll be posting there. And uh, we're on pretty much all the social media as well, Twitter and Facebook. So uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you your memories of Highwayman. And if you go back and watch a couple episodes, tell us what you think over there. And we will keep... Uh, Keep trucking along, you know, uh, maybe we can uh, just for a quick minute here, dive into some of the shows that we've got in the uh, in the queue, I guess we'll say. <laughs> There's several TV series that I'd like to go back and uh, and talk about in on this theme of vehicles. They did a Blue Thunder TV series that lasted just 13 episodes. And uh, that starred, I believe it was, uh, uh, what's his name? Hightower. He was in that from the uh, from the Police Academy movies. Oh, Bubba, yeah. Bubba Smith. He was in that. I believe you had uh, Dick Buckus and you had Dana Carvey, a.k.a. Uh, Garth from Wayne's World and several other things. Um, that was a short run series. I think that one only lasted, uh, 13 episodes. I also put in here some of the other, uh, Glenn Larson series, Manimal, Auto Man. I don't, I've never watched any of those. Uh, I did put Street Hawk in here. I own the DVD set of that. So I've watched those 13 episodes a couple of times and we can revisit that if you want to do something like that. But, um, uh, just several other ones, the misfits of science. I've heard that one thrown at me several times. I don't ever remember watching an episode of that. That one was kind of a, I guess you would call it teen drama. Yeah. And, uh, one of the first times that, uh, Courtney Cox appeared on television, I do believe. So that was just a, a few, uh, uh, some other fun ones. Maybe, uh, if we could find, uh, there's, there was a Max Hedrum TV series, uh, Hey Vern, it's Ernest. That's the Saturday morning TV series. I think that lasted only eight or nine episodes. I remember watching that as a kid. So we can do some fun ones too. It doesn't all have to be, you know, dramas or anything like that. And then uh, 
kind of getting into there's a, a, a ton of cartoon series out there that were just like 13 episodes Turbo Teen, Pole Position, Legend of Zelda, The Karate Kid. Those are a few. There's Robocop, Camp Candy. That was one that I remember watching. I actually have a, a few of the comic books with uh, John Candy. I was always a big fan of his. I remember that show. There's some other ones, too. We were talking a little bit about this off the air, Wyatt, where take, for instance, like Scooby-Doo, which yeah. obviously is a, uh, a show we all know and love and have watched throughout the years. Well, they did a couple series with Scooby-Doo in the 80s, The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo's Mystery Funhouse, which lasted, I think, just a handful of episodes. Or In the 13 Ghosts case, there was 13 episodes for that. So we could go back and find maybe some series we know, you know, or have watched throughout the years and have done something like this where they've taken a section and relaunched the show for essentially one season and, and watch something like that. There also the new Scooby-Doo mysteries. That was another one in 1984. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the Dukes of Hazard uh, series, Rubik's the amazing cube. And uh, you know, obviously this is rediscover the eighties. So we want to try to keep it around the eighties. Um, <laughs> I, there, I wrote one down here from 1991 that I remember watching where's Waldo, which actually, I believe the books actually started in the eighties and they had that cartoon series in 1991. But anyway, I just kind of put a bunch together. I haven't really dug into the movies yet. I know there's several that just passed me that, uh, I would like to go watch one that just kind of stuck out of my brain recently since we're tied to our uh, mask website uh, agents of mask there was this movie called megaforce in 1982 that is similar in nature to the uh, the animated series that we love and uh, i've seen a couple of our friends talk about that on social media if we could find that movie um, I've, I've actually found it in Spanish. <laughs> so, uh, hard time for the, yeah, we, I, I, I took two years of Spanish, but, uh, I'm lucky to, uh, find a bathroom if I was, I was ever trapped in, you know, Mexico or something. But anyway, uh, I haven't really dug into those, but I know there's several movies I want to rewatch too, but I guess we'll kind of go through the list. And, uh, if you see some that stick out, I know there's some you want to add as well that will uh, hit during this podcast series, but uh, this was fun, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to going back and, and uh, reliving some of these shows and, and actually watching some that we have never uh, watched the whole way through, you know, I'm always excited. What, what we talk about, especially when it comes to our blast from the past, it seems, yeah, I'd like to see us do some, some of these things. It's hard to pick one because we don't know if it's, readily available well and that's again that's going to be part of how some of these are put up to the top of the list is right we can find them on youtube or on a streaming service somewhere that we both have and uh or or go find a cheap dvd set somewhere and just go ahead and and watch it that way but uh and uh, let me go ahead and throw out there too if you are 
listening or watching and you've got one that you maybe recently rediscovered yourself or uh, have a suggestion for us to to put on the list, please let us know. Because mm-hmm. uh, I like to think I, I know a lot about the 80s, but there's also several things that just totally skip me and uh, some I'm embarrassed about, but... Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll definitely uh, take any and all suggestions uh, on the show moving forward. Let's go ahead and wrap it, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next Rediscovered podcast right here on the Rediscover the 80s podcast feed. And uh, on behalf of my buddy Wyatt there, we, uh, we bid you farewell until the next episode. Thanks for watching and listening. Thanks for listening to Rediscovered right here on the Rediscover the 80s podcast feed. Find our show notes at rediscoverthe80s.com and watch our recording sessions on the Rediscover the 80s YouTube channel. Theme music provided by Bart Graft. Visit bartgraft.bandcamp.com for more retro wave music. Join us again next time as we review more TV, movies, and animation from the 80s right here on Rediscovered. Rediscovered.